Good morning, brothers and sisters. How are you? It's Friday morning coming at you. I'm PK. Thanks for listening to DJ and PK. We got football. We got basketball today. Aggies and the Lobos. And, of course, the Utes in Colorado and then the Jazz in New Orleans tonight. Big day. Thanks for joining us on the day after Thanksgiving. We've got to talk some Utes since they are going to wrap up the regular season, get themselves ready for the conference title game next week in Las Vegas, find out tomorrow who they're playing. Hopefully it's Oregon. They're nationally ranked. The Utes get an opportunity to beat Oregon twice. It would be really cool, I believe. And it would be good for them, good for the conference to have – a couple of nationally ranked teams playing next week as opposed to Washington State or Oregon State, neither of whom sniffed the rankings. Not good. Um, Tougher to beat Oregon, but so what? Uh, You hammered them last week. You can do it again next week. That's the way I look at it. You want the best uh, exposure for your program, and what better exposure to beat Oregon twice and then roll into the Rose Bowl on January 1st playing either Ohio State or Michigan. We'll see what happens there. Probably that would be the uh, loser of that game would play in the Rose Bowl. See as they get ready to play in their big game tomorrow. A lot of big games tomorrow for sure. Right now, let's talk some Ute football. They got Colorado. They should win. Colorado's struggling. Although Colorado did beat Oregon State last, uh, what was it, last month? Earlier this month? Yeah, I think it was earlier this month. And let's go with somebody who knows what he's talking about from the Boulder paper where the University of Colorado is located. Brian Hal. Brian, here we are. The rivalry is back. It's this time of year. Are you fired up or what? <laughs> uh, Rumble in the Rockies or whatever they call it, right? <laughs> yeah, this manufactured rivalry. I guess I'm fired up. Uh, you know, for you know Utah fans, I know there's a lot to look forward to. For Colorado fans, it's, um, you know, it's basketball season at this point. So I guess we're looking forward to kind of turning the page after this one yeah last year was a crazy situation with the pandemic and the buffaloes were the big surprise you know with uh winning the games that they won um i'm wondering if you think this season was derailed before the season when for whatever reason and i'm not sure their quarterback transfers to oregon state and now he doesn't play i think it's more than that i mean he transfers but then also they brought in a transfer last winter from Tennessee, JT Shroud, that, you know, from a lot of people I've heard from that got to watch practice would have been the guy. And, you know, it was characterized to me that this staff was devastated when he went down with a knee injury in middle of August. So, um, you know, it's, it's possible Brendan Lewis would have been their third string guy this year. I mean, he might've been the guy, but at, at, at worst, you would have had a shorter leash on Brendan Lewis early in the season when things went south offensively. You could have you know, gone with another option where they just didn't have another option. Yeah, and that's, I think, what it boils down to offensively. They haven't been very good at all, and I think it starts with the quarterback position. Although, when I look at the stats, 27 sacks, that's a lot. Uh, how I don't want to – it's harsh to say, but how bad's the offensive line? Yeah, it, it's been bad. I mean, it, it's been bad enough that uh, a few weeks ago Carl Durrell fired the offensive line coach, and that's the first time maybe in history from people I've talked to that CU's ever fired a position coach in the middle of the season. So, uh, you know, it was, it's been bad. I mean, that, that group is, has not played very well, and, you know, Brendan Lewis has had his ups and downs. He's a freshman, and, you know, he's had his struggles, but uh, the offensive line has just not been good, and, you know, it's affected the run game, the passing game, and 
know, the, the offense just in general, outside of a few little spurts and, a, you know, a, a nice about nine-quarter stretch a few games ago, um, this offense has just not been very good most of the season. Brian Howell from the Boulder Daily Camera joining us. Yeah, because I thought that as I – as we, we we broadcast every day or every year from Pac-12 Media Day, and Darrell is such a likable dude that you you'd like to see him succeed. Uh, but I thought, man, they're they're just going to be in trouble uh, at, at this point here. Uh, I didn't know that they could recreate what they had last year, but I thought they'd have more success running the ball with Broussard and, and Fontenot figuring I could have made a case going into the season that the combination of those two guys would give them the best one-two punch on the ground in the conference, and it hasn't worked out to the level. I and mean, Broussard, it's not like he's had a bad season, but I, I figured one of these guys would be a 1,000-yard rusher. I don't know how much of it's a knock on those guys. How much of it a knock is it on the passing game isn't prolific so they can stack the box or the offensive line, or in your idea, is it a combination of everything? I think it's a combination of everything, and, and you're right about that duo. And, you know, beginning of the season, I would have thrown in a Shad Clayton who was a four-star recruit in 2020. I mean, I thought the trio was going to be very good this season, and a shot that ended up being kind of a non-factor, got hurt, and he was redshirting. So, uh, yeah, it hasn't been great, but there's been times where Jared Broussard and Alex Fontenot have both looked fantastic, and they'll they'll break off a run where you're like, okay, wow, they're, they're not hurt. <laughs> they, they've still got the ability. They, they found a hole right there, but it just hasn't been consistent. And, you know, especially early in the season when Brennan Lewis just, you know, wasn't hitting receivers and couldn't throw. It started with kind of the Minnesota game where um, the Gophers just said, you know, we're, you know, we're not going to let you beat us with the run. They stacked the box and see you couldn't do anything that day. Ended up with like 63 yards of offense. So that's kind of been a theme that uh, teams have used most of the season. And luckily for the Buffs, Brendan Lewis has played well and kind of backed teams off a little bit uh, in the second half of the season. Tell us about the injuries on defense because I understand there's been a few. Yeah, there's been quite a few. I mean, Nate Lamon, um, who. You know, if you fans remember, you know, he tore his Achilles against the Utes uh, in the last, last year's year, game. Yeah. Came back, had you know, had a phenomenal recovery. It was unbelievable the first seven games, but then injured his shoulder at Cal. He's missed the last four games. And, you know, they keep saying hey, there's a shot he'll play. I'd be surprised if he plays this week. And they also lost a couple of uh, outside linebackers. I mean, last week, their, started, their second starting outside linebacker was basically their fifth-string guy who didn't even see the field until two weeks ago. So um, they're, they're a little depleted there. They've got sometimes three true freshmen in the secondary that are playing at once. So, uh, yeah, they're, they're a little depleted on the defensive side, and um, that's happened throughout the season. They were pretty good defensively the first, I'd say, six, seven games. And then ever since Landman and Guy Thomas, one of their outside linebackers, went out, uh, they've just really struggled. Brian Howell from the Boulder Daily Camera joining us. So when you look at hope, you know, we don't put much hope in beating the Utes this week, obviously. But going forward, uh, as you're trying to look for some hope with this team, is it in the youth? Where Where is it exactly? Yeah, I, I think it is in the youth. I mean, that, that's the one positive thing is there's a lot of young guys that they that they believe have a lot of talent that are now getting some snaps. and. It sort of reminds me of the 2013 Buffs, who were not very good, but they played a ton of freshmen. And that's the group that in 2016, as seniors, were basically a bunch of four-year starters that won the South title. So 
this sort of reminds me of that. We'll see if that progresses, you know, over the next couple of seasons into that. But, you know, the hope is with that youth. And then also the Buffs have got to have a really good offseason in the transfer portal. They've got to get some reinforcements in a lot of different areas. How much have they mined that? Quite a bit. I think that'll be a big part of what they do, at least in the early going of Darrell's tenure. I think that they're, they need some quick fixes in a lot of spots. Yeah, that's what I'm I, – I guess that's probably – if your team isn't good enough where it's at right now, I'm figuring the idea is, well, let's just go to the transfer portal then. Uh, and, you know, you would think with – Darrell's been around, coach in various parts of the country, that he might have some contacts, and that might be uh, – I don't know if it's an easy way, but it might be a potential way to get this program – I don't know. What, what do you think is a realistic uh, – uh, position for this program, uh, bowl eligibility, or actually contending to win the South. I think the first step is bowl eligibility, and, and you're right; it's not an easy fix. I mean, they got six transfers this last year, and not one of them ended up being a, a starter this year. So um, it, they've got to do better at that portal. But yeah, I do think that if they have a you know a, a good offseason in the transfer portal, that really bowl eligibility is the issue for this team. I mean, they've got to get there. They've only made two bowl games, I think, in 17 years. Or three bowl games, I think it is. So uh, they've got to get there. They've never been to back-to-back bowl games in that period. And that's kind of the next goal you know, for this program is just get six wins for a couple seasons in a row and, and try to build on that. And then eventually maybe you can contend for the South title. Brian Howell with the Boulder Daily Camera joining us. All right, you brought up basketball, 5-1. and one. Tad Balls, you just got a pretty good program. They've got some players there, Big Evan Bate, uh, Batty's back, some other guys, Walker. Uh, what are you looking at this season as far as them being a contender? Because I think they can they can be. Yeah, I think they can be. They, they just played out in the Virgin Islands this week and did not have a very good tournament. They went 2-1, and one, uh, but, you know, really they were kind of expected – to get to the championship game and play against Colorado State, and they end up losing the first game and barely won the next two. So um, it's kind of a shaky five and one start, but that's a pretty good team. That you know they have a history of not doing well um, in tropical tournaments. So you know maybe it's just getting out of the tropics that'll help them. But there's a lot of talent. I think they just got to grow together. I think that that's a team that by March and when you get to Vegas for the tournament, they could be really tough to contend with. So they don't do well in tropics because that was uh, because what was it a couple years back uh, on graduation commencement ceremonies it snowed. Yeah, that's right. I think it was uh, 2019. <laughs> it might have been. So yeah, uh, it, it'd be a good thing if they can get back to cold weather. They, they're really good in Boulder, and uh, you know they they have a, a history of pulling off a few wins here and there on the road in the Pac-12. So um, I think this team is talented enough. I'm not sure if they'll contend for the. The Pac-12 title, I think UCLA and maybe Arizona uh, put themselves uh, near the top of that. But I do think they can be a top-four team in the Pac-12. Okay, contend for an NCAA berth then. Yes, I think I think they can do that. All right, uh, what is your thought as far as uh, how ugly will it get on Friday? Ooh, I, I almost think that Utah could name its score. Now, if they show up and and – you know, play motivated. I mean, the one thing I, I look at this game and say, all right, maybe Colorado has a shot in that Utah really has nothing to play for other than just its senior day. But um, they're not moving anywhere in the standings or, you know, they can't contend for a national title. They already won the South. 
and maybe they're looking forward to uh, next week. So that's probably CU's only hope is that Utah's doing that. Otherwise, I think – I mean, the Utah have just pounded the bus the last few years, and I think that this yeah. is, you know, really maybe the worst uh, CU team that we've seen in the last four or five years. So I think the Utes could almost name their score. All right, Brian, thanks for joining us. We appreciate it. You bet. Thanks, guys. All right, that was Brian Howell. Coming up next, the Jazz get a nice victory in Oklahoma City. It's game week for the Aggies, and the Zone Sports Network is getting you ready for kickoff. The Aggies look to keep their hopes for a division title alive as they hit the road for a battle against New Mexico to wrap up the regular season. Catch all the play-by-play action beginning with the Aggie pregame this Friday morning at 10 a.m. From Monday morning to all the play-by-play action, nobody brings you better coverage of Aggie football than 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. The Jazz get a nice victory in Oklahoma City. Was not easy. Donovan Mitchell takes over in the final minute or so, scores the last uh, six points. Not the last one, but uh, I think Gobert got a free throw there at the end. But the most decisive when the game was in the balance, Mitchell wasn't having a big game, but he came through in the end as stud players, all-star players do, best players in the game. And Mitchell showed who he is for sure. Here is the Jazz postgame show from the victory the other night. True Jazz recap here on DJ and PK on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Hopefully everybody had a very nice Thanksgiving Wednesday night. The Jazz beat Oklahoma City 110-104. to It was not a big win going away, but they got some big play from Donovan Mitchell down the stretch. Huge game uh, from Rudy Gobert with 15 points, 17 boards, and five block shots. And the Jazz do win over the Thunder, who indeed were missing Shea Gilgis Alexander. But let's get some postgame sound. Let's start things off with Jazz head coach Quinn Snyder. Quinn, uh, what, what are you seeing in the few minutes that you're getting from uh, Trent Forrest in the first half? Um, you know, consistently solid defense. You know, he's usually either makes a play that, that's visible that shows up in the box score, you know, with a block or a steal or something like that. Um, or he just, you know, he makes a play by, you know, being solid. And, uh, you know, those minutes that he's given us, you know, rarely, rarely does he come in and come out when, you know, the, the leads changed hands or anything of that nature because he's just been, you know, look at what he was tonight, plus minus, you know. I, that's a lot of times, we, I, I always say it's a little deceiving at times, but you know, that's the biggest thing. It's to come in for two or three minutes is – you know, it's a job, and it's an important job. And, you know, for him to embrace it and have the impact that he's having, you know, it allows us to, you know, to keep Mike fresh for late in the game. Tony Young, yeah, better. Coach, what did you uh, guys see? What did you see in the fourth quarter um, that allowed you guys to ultimately uh, pull away as opposed to, to what you saw? Um, as opposed to some of the stuff that you saw earlier in the game? Well, it's ironic, Tony, you say that. Like, I I thought we played as well as we have the entire season offensively, particularly in the first quarter. I mean, 
the ball was moving. We just, we just didn't make shots. I mean, I felt like we could have had a 15, 20 point lead in the first quarter. Um, you know, they converted on a few of those misses, but I, th- this is for us to feel that, um, to feel that, you know, the way that we can move the ball, um, as unselfish as we were, there was always, there's times when we feel like we're too unselfish, but I, you know, that's what we want. And, uh, so again, I, I thought to, to play that way and to continue to play that way, you know, they had a couple, you know, the end of the quarter, um, a couple of threes that were, you know, improbable, if not tough. Um, and then, you know, we just kept grinding. And sometimes when you're playing the right way and you don't get rewarded for it right away, um, the easy path is to, to change how you're playing. And, you know, that wasn't the case. We, I thought Rudy was a monster late defensively. You know, and Donovan closed the game, and that's a pretty good formula. I guess defensively, uh, throughout the majority of the game, how did you feel about the effort? You know, I, I think we're giving effort. There, there's some lapses in concentration. You know, we got cut, back cut a few times. Um, when we're, we're late, you know, sometimes with a – when they're playing the shooting bigs and we're getting a late switch, if we're not quite back to that guy soon enough where they get a three or the guy on the help side feels like he needs to help and stunts at the ball. And then we end up getting back cut. Um, that was a couple of situations like that, but I thought our transition defense was better. Um, a couple of situations where we just have to be a little more disciplined. Um, but I think our focus and, and our effort was really good. Q, obviously with uh, Hassan's early ejection, that kind of forced you to juggle some things, including a stretch where you had Rudy and Eric as the two primary bigs. What did you see in those situations? Well, that's a different team, obviously, that we haven't um, played with um, this year. Um, I I thought, you know, I thought Eric did a really good job being thrown into a situation that, you know, that he hasn't been in before. I thought he competed. Um, you know, obviously, you know, the way that we are built defensively, you know, having that size and rim protection is really, you know, systematically the way that we play. So um, for those guys to be put in that situation, you know, I think competitively we responded. There's Jazz head coach Quinn Snyder, 110-104 is your final. The Jazz beat the Oklahoma City Thunder on uh, Wednesday night. Let's get to the players now. Let's uh, start things off with Donovan Mitchell. Hey, Don. I'm, I'm wondering just after that one, how do you feel about the effort and how that game went kind of as a whole? Um, you know, it was a good game. I think, you know, we, we did a lot of good things. Shots, to, I don't think the score reflected, you know, the way we played. As a group, you know, we have some breakdowns, but we did a lot of good things that we can look back on and, you know, and be proud of, especially moving the ball on offensively. Um, you know, I think that that's one of the main things to take away. And, you know, they, they made some shots. They, they got some stuff. And for us to close out the way we did is, is you know, what we wanted. But, you know, we did a lot of good things. I think that's the one thing I, I would say I'd take away from that. We did a lot of good things as a group, um, you know, especially in the first quarter. You know, I think that was really, really, it looked really good. Even though shots didn't fall, stuff didn't fall, stuff didn't necessarily go our way. Um, there was a point where it was 12 to 2, and then they hit three straight threes, you know, and then next thing you know, it's 12 11. Um, and they're about to call timeout, or it's Mr. Lab, you know, it would have been 14 to 2. So, like those those little things, you know, they happen in the course of the game, but, you know, uh, we did a lot of good things. 
Hey, Don. So Rudy said in his walk-off interview that even, you know, during the times of the game when your shot wasn't falling, he felt like you were making good decisions, that you were moving the ball well. Sure. Does that become like a conscious thing you do on a night when, when your shot isn't going in? Or is that just a natural byproduct of just running the offense? Um, I think it's just me just growing over time. Um, honestly, you know, I'm not going to have shot nights where you shoot perfect. You know, it's last night, tonight. You know, it happens. You know, I'm not... I'm not pressed about it. You know, at the end of the day, we have a talented team. So I don't, it's not like, you know, I have to do this every night, you know, I mean, I would love to be able to, you know, continuously shoot well. And then sometimes it's going to happen, but you know, at the end of the day, just being able to find there and make the right reads, that's all I can ask for, you know, go out there and make the right play. You know, sometimes it's putting the ball in the basket. Sometimes it's passing. Sometimes it's guarding. Like maybe it's all in one, you know, but at the end of the day, that's, that's what I've been doing and, and growing into. So, um, that's how I start off every every game, you know, whether the shot goes in or not, you know, just being able to make the right play. I was just crazy you guys are up seven at one point, up eight, one point, you go up right now, and you get right back in the yeah, I think, yeah, I think, you know, coming out of a timeout, locking in, I think we gave up, start the fourth, I think was, was tough for us. We gave up the, the pick and pop, you know, they, they ran a lot of stuff out of that and we hadn't seen pick and pop in a while. Um, like that, that I can remember, you know, and they hit some shots, like I said, they made, they executed well, credit to them. Uh, but we got to come out, you know, and be able to not have compounding mistakes. Mistakes are going to happen, but you know, Compound them over time. Like I said, even the first quarter with the 12-2 run, you know, I don't contest. Somebody gets left, you know, like even though we make mistakes, it's not compounding them, especially late. Um, but how we responded, you know, got stops when we needed. You know, that's what we want. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Shots on falling, but you score six straight. And you get your own, you know, split it back. Mm. Just a determination down the show. You've been a lot of this time. Yeah. Um, honestly, this is what I do. You know, I mean, at the end of the day, like I said, you know, the right play, and then sometimes you got to go out there and just get it. Um, you know, I like those shots that I got. Um, you know, at the end of the day, I'm, I'm going to continue to take them, and my team trusts me. I trust myself. Put the work in for those moments and, you know, never let the moment get too big. You know, I missed uh, the game one the other night, so you got to respond, you know, and at that time I did. Ryan Miller, KSL.com. Hey, Don, um, you guys have had, I think, six ejections now this season. Um, why, you know, why, why does that keep happening? Or if there is a common thread, I guess. And how hard is it to kind of adjust when that kind of happens? Uh, I don't know. I guess we wake up on the wrong side of the pillow. I guess that's the expression someday. I don't know. But uh, I don't know. Um, now that you say it, we have been ejected a lot. I didn't even, I didn't think about it. You know, um, I didn't think Hassan deserved that one. I think, you know, the first one is at the first tech. I think we've all seen people say a lot more to get thrown out, especially early, you know, and I, I told Mark that I thought it was, you know, it was real quick, you know, it was real quick, a second one, but you know, at the end of the day, they called the call, but you know, we got to be able to adjust. We had not black one through five in a long time. Um, so, you know, being able to kind of, you know, I'm not saying that was a problem, but being able to do that, run our offense, and then when you have, you know, Eric and Rudy Gay coming into a role where they're not necessarily been the five men, um, it's, it's different. But, you know, like I said, we were adjusting, getting things figured out, and that's part of being a good team, which is figuring things out on the fly, you know, can't prepare for, for that happening. But, you know, it happens, you know. Um, I would say I don't I, I don't think we'll have that again, but I don't I don't know. You know, I can't, I don't, I don't know if we'll get ejected again. Hope not. <laughs> I guess I have one more follow-up, Aaron Pollard. 
Hey, Don. So a lot of the kind of problem areas that we've been talking about in recent games, the defensive rebounding, the transition D, the numbers at least looked a lot better tonight. How do you feel like you guys did in those areas? Um, I would agree. I think, I think I, like I said, I think we did a lot of good things, a lot of things well. And, you know, the fact that the game was so close may not reflect that, you know, but we did a lot of things, you know, that we, like, we, like you said, we've been working on and trying to fix got back in transition. We had some mistakes, you know, which happened, but we got back. It wasn't, it wasn't glaring, I guess is what you're getting. That wasn't glaring like it has been in recent games. So um, just continue to, to plug away. Um, that's, that's it, man. It's just continue to plug away and uh, do what we do and be good. There's Donovan Mitchell. 13 points for Donovan. 6 of 16 shooting. 1 of 7 from 3. Did have 5 assists and 3 rebounds. But 6 points to seal the deal at the end of the fourth quarter. Big buckets uh, from Donovan Mitchell. Uh, let's get uh, now, let's hear from Jordan Clarkson. The, the question I have is, like, a lot of teams are switching. Nobody's dropping against you guys. And a lot of teams are switching. Doing some of the things that have typically made you uncomfortable in the past as a team. Do you consider that, like, a good thing in terms of being being able to, to play against some of those styles, styles that you know that you're going to see in the postseason and, and, you know, and frankly have to get better against that style of play. Yeah. Um, I think, you know, we talked about it since uh, training camp, um, you know, attacking those kind of defenses, um, finding all strengths when teams do that. So teams going to continue to keep playing us, uh, you know, that way during the season. It's just prepping us. Uh, it's part of the process, and um, you know what? Um, it's gonna help us get better and help us, uh, you know, figure it out. The best way of learning is, you know, going against it and, um, you know, at live speed and full time to whatever team it is uh, any night. So, uh, you know, we just figuring it out. All right, Eric Walden. Hey, JC. So Quinn said that aside from good shot attempts simply not going in. He felt like tonight was one of the best offensive nights you guys have had all season. Uh, what was working out there for you guys? Um, we was just moving the ball, you know, finding uh, the next open man. You know, a lot of us were passing up. Um, good shots to get great ones. Uh, that's like a cliche statement, but I think honestly we were. Uh, you know, we just, we just missed shots early um, throughout the game, but um, you know, that game could have got, you know, really ugly if we, you know, made shots and uh, do what we do. So uh, I think he's correct when he says all that. All right, last question, Andy Larson. Jordan, do you feel like individually you've become a better passer since joining Quinn's system? And if so, how? Uh, Yeah, I mean, my passes is kind of easy. Uh, you know, just trying to find, you know, the next man or the open man. Uh, especially when teams, you know, doubling and uh, blitzing, just making the next pass. And I think our system definitely uh, helps me uh, make those just because we have so many weapons. You know, it's easy to uh, kick it to the next man because you know he's going to make the shot. Uh, you know, like I said, it's just so many of us, so many of us that can make plays and, you know, it makes the game so much easier. There you go. Jordan Clarkson uh, led the team in scoring coming off the bench. 20 points Wednesday night. He also had five assists and three rebounds. The Jazz win 110-104 over the Thunder on Wednesday night. Up next, the Jazz tonight here at Vivint Arena have the New Orleans Pelicans. That game will tip off at 7 o'clock. Pre-game coverage begins at 6. All right, there you go. That's the Jazz post-game show. Coming up next, the Cougars 
heading their way down to Southern California to play the USC Trojans as the Cougars shooting for 10 wins and getting themselves in position. Can you think so? Can you imagine it? Is it possible for Newsday Six Bowl? I think it's a long shot, but hey, you never know. See what happens there. Let's hear what we'll hear from uh, Kalani Sataki. will join us. It's game week for the Utes, and the Zone Sports Network is getting you ready for kickoff. After dominating Oregon and winning another South Division title, the Utes will wrap up the regular season with a showdown at Rice-Eccles Stadium against Colorado. Listen all week for your chance to win tickets to the game and then catch the Ute pregame show Friday at 1 with the postgame show immediately following the game. From Monday morning to the postgame press conference, nobody brings you better coverage of Ute football. You ready? Yeah! Than 97.5-1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Good morning. Thanks for listening. Kalani Satagi spoke to the media the other day. Here are his comments. Uh, come to the last game of the uh, of the, the regular season. Uh, looking to finish it strong, and um, really excited about the matchup against USC. Tons of athleticism, speed. I mean, just great talent on the field. You see it on film throughout all the games all year long, and. Um, you know, it's their senior night, so we're, we're expecting the, their best shot. And I know they're they're um, still playing for bowl eligibility, so there's a lot to play for in this game. Uh, on their end, there's still a lot to play for on our end. It, this is an opportunity for us to get better and to finish the regular season the right way and, and play at our best. And uh, looking forward to doing that. I, th- I think we'll have a good representation out in Southern California. And so looking forward to the matchup, looking forward to the game. We're going to have a lot of fun and, and we have uh, some improvement to make from last week, but coming off the bye week, I thought the guys' um, second half played really well. I just want to keep that rolling and, and going into this game. So I'll uh, take any questions you guys may have. Great. We'll start with Alex and then Jared and Mitch. Go ahead, Alex. Coach, good afternoon. Um, you know, you, you guys obviously are playing Thanksgiving weekend, not Thanksgiving day. Um, but I'm kind of curious, like when there's a game scheduled around a holiday like this, how much do you, how much do you kind of as a team take some time to acknowledge each other or kind of, you know, do you have a team dinner or anything like that? Um, seeing as how it's kind of like a holiday weekend and you guys are going to be traveling. Yeah, we'll, we'll uh, practice um, Thursday morning and um, and then have our players go to different places. I mean, most of them um, have a place to go, but uh, they're going to be, we want them in, in a setting around family. So they'll be uh, with coaches' families or with their teammates um, and um, just enjoying the, you know, good food and, and good company. And and there'll be a lot of football to watch over the weekend on, on Thursday. So I know they'll do that. and. It's a good time to just relax and, and to have uh, opportunity to be thankful for a lot of different things that have gone on in their lives. I want them to reflect on that. I, th- I think our players do it um, often anyways. And so it's just good that, that we can dedicate this time to being focused on, on you know, wonderful things that we have in life. So, yeah, we'll, we'll get to that. But I imagine they'll eat a lot of food and they'll have two days to recover from it. And in terms of... Um this last game of the regular season, you mentioned there are still some things to improve on. Um, 
what are some of the things that you're kind of focusing on in terms of the way that you guys are playing right now? Um, and, and what do you feel like maybe there's still some things to tweak or correct or, or what have you? Well, I don't, I don't want to get too general because it's more specific than anything, you know, but uh, finding ways to have our players play consistently well. And, and that's assignment sound with great fundamentals and great technique. And so um, it's the stuff that we're always, we're always focused on that, but I, I don't want to take away from the majority of the group that's actually doing it right. But this is a great time for us as coaches to, uh, and we've been doing it all year long, but to keep focusing on, on the individual and what they do, what they can do better to improve their game week to week and then um you know when you put all that together should should have some success for you as a, as a program so um and i hate using a blanket statement to cover everyone when uh, the majority of them are doing well and some some guys have to improve some technique body position others need to improve in in learning their assignments and uh coaches need to improve too so we all have individual improvement to make and collectively as a group it'll, it'll make us better as a, as a team Kalani, gratitude's always been something important to you. And we've talked about it in, in times past. And, you know, as we get into this Thanksgiving week, how much does it, how gratifying is it for you to see the boys develop that and develop those skills, you know, just that understanding of the importance of gratitude in their lives? Well, I think it's part of the the values that we have, and then that's the you know humility allows you to to learn. And we've talked about <clears throat> being in a position to increase our our love and our learn for what we do. And so, um, yeah, I think. Uh, you can never say thank you too much. And so I um, want these guys to be focused on that. And, and they are a thankful group. And so uh, they have tons of gratitude the way they've been raised. I just want to keep reminding them why they're here and uh, who they represent. So I, I think uh, it's been, it's been a lot of fun, but I think the world would be a lot better and programs, businesses, a lot of different groups would be better if we just focus on what we're thankful for and, and uh, operate that way. And I, I'm lucky to have, wonderful young men and, and wonderful people in the athletic department that, that are um, focused on being thankful and having a lot of gratitude. I also wanted to ask about health. Um, obviously Peyton Wilgar going down another, another player that you've lost a any other updates and also what does, what impact does it have? You know, a guy like a Peyton that had been so big for the team. Well, it was a huge impact losing Keenan, um, Keenan Peely and Keenan Ellis, you know, so uh, we're down some starters and, and some uh, valuable experience, leadership. Um, and so the, the leadership still needs to happen. So I, we have guys like James Empey and, and um, you know, and, and, and Keenan Peely, Keenan Ellis are still around available to, to help lead our, our team. But uh, Peyton's going to be the same way. We just had to make a decision on the timing of everything. Um, and this felt like it was right. And then also, I think I mentioned it before that he was just playing with a lot of pain. And um, I mean, how, how much more do you keep making someone do that? And this is the right thing to do. Uh, he's more important than, than the game of football to, to us and our program. So uh, we'll do whatever we can to take care of him. And his role is just changing now. He won't be on, on the field Saturday night, but he can have an impact in the game and have an influence on our players. Do you have any update on some of the guys like Neil, some of those guys that you were kind of hadn't hadn't uh, specified? Yeah, uh, Neil's still 
um, highly unlikely, unlikely that he's going to play in this game. And uh, same thing with James. Peyton, obviously, not going to play in this game. Um, hoping still for some others that, that, that aren't um, that are still in the mix. So, you know, we, we, we've had to shift around some pieces and, um, you know, what hurt, it hurt having Peyton be out, but, but then, and Keenan, but then all of a sudden our, when, when Max was out for the targeting, now we're down to our depth and um, those guys did well. I think, I think Ben Bywater and Morgan Piper and Drew Jensen, um, those guys filled in really well and, and made some plays and, um, um, you know, we just have to we get Max back, so that'll be good for this game. But um, we're going to go into this this game ready to play, and, and and some young guys, some other guys will have opportunities to to step up. I'm looking forward to seeing them do that. Coach, if you can get it, what would a second consecutive double digit regular season mean to you and your program? Oh, I'm just I'm so focused on trying to get the the guys ready for the, for being the best they can today, you know. And then uh, the, the the goal is this Saturday. I'm not really worried about the record or anything like that. Just trying to get our team ready to, to perform at our best, and we'll see what happens at the end. But uh, I like our chances if we can do that. That's that's the goal. As I'm you not really worried about overall records and things like that. As you noted coming in, uh, USC's got a lot of athleticism. The record. Maybe doesn't highlight um, that that talent and athleticism. Does it help to have to face a program at the end of the year that's a historic brand uh, to keep your players focused and dialed in and, and uh, to close out the season? No, we, we respect all, all the opponents that we go against. And uh, it's, it's not like we look at a record and then we think any less of someone. The, the focus is for us to be at our best, to play at our best. And, and uh, we, we expect to get every opponent, we expect to get their best shot. We're a ranked team. And so it's not like we're, uh, you know, that we're hiding from anybody. Everybody knows what we're about and they see us on film. Uh, and so we, we anticipated going into into that Georgia Southern game, anticipating their best shot, uh, you know, winning for their seniors. They wanted to perform at their best. And, and uh, you know, we didn't do that in the first half. We did that in the second half. And, and grateful we got the win. But the goal here is to, is to focus on the, what we see on film. And that's great athleticism, great talent, and a team that has a lot to play for. And so we're expecting their best shot. We need to make sure that they get ours as well. Okay, we'll have questions from Jay Drew and then Jake. Polani, with uh, obviously you're, it looks like you're he headed to the Independence Bowl, but there's still the outside shot of maybe a New Year's Six game uh, in this college football playoff rankings and how that all pulls into it. Are you talking to your team at all about that? Are you guys spending any time at all even discussing that? What do you think the answer is to that, Jay? <laughs> Probably not, but um, <laughs> if I could rephrase that, then what, okay. uh, what are the stakes in this game Saturday as opposed as moving forward to your, uh, to your possible postseason destination? Yeah, I think the, I mean, I'm going to go back. I think I, I'm always going to say, and you're probably sick of hearing me saying it, but guys, that's what we focus on is, is the here and now. And, and, um, you know, I know that everyone wants to talk about um, possibilities and, and, you know, future opponents and things like that. But we're fo focused on this this game and, and this opportunity. Um, 
that's the best way to, to show gratitude is enjoy the moment, enjoy the day. Why, why worry about Tuesday when you have the rest of Monday to, to, to focus on? So um, our goal is to try to be razor sharp and focused and, and, and have this, this vision on taking it day to day with the, the long term goal, which is the game on Saturday night. We're looking forward to seeing a bunch of our fans there and we want to entertain them and, and, and show them a good time. And, and we also want to make sure that we're performing at our best. That's that's the goal. I, I'm my focus as a head coach is to keep these guys, um, you know, just thinking about the game now and thinking about day to day improvement. And then I wanted to ask you about going into the Coliseum. The last time BYU went in 2003, I think was the year after you were a grad assistant uh, there at BYU. I think you had moved on to SUU, but um, but obviously you went there as the Ute as a, with the Utes a lot. What are you going to tell your team about it? What's it like going into that to that place? Yeah, it's. I mean, it's a it's a, a great event, a, a great place for events, and then obviously for for football, it's it's a place that the guys are used to seeing on TV, and uh, I want them to embrace the setting, and that's the whole point of showing gratitude, having a good time with it, you know, and and, and embrace the, the the opportunity that you have to play in that stadium, and then they'll look around and they'll see a lot of blue, and and they'll see uh, all the wonderful. They'll, they'll remember all the wonderful athletes and great talent that have been on that field and so uh they can they can add this to their to their list of, of where they play got to play and, and that's it's going to be a lot of fun so that's embrace the moment have fun with it Kalani, can you just give us a scouting report of what you see from USC on film? I know they've had some of their bigger players uh lost for the season like a Drake London the receiver but what do you see from them on film Tons of talent. There's no lack of talent. They're going to be well coached and they'll be ready for this game. They, um, you see all the speed on the on the field. I mean, that's a that's a very talented team and they're well coached. I mean, we they have some some you know former Cougars on their on their staff too. So uh, we we know that that they'll know a little bit more about us. And um, I know a lot of guys on that staff that I know how they coach and they'll have the guys ready to roll. So I'm, um, you know, uh, the, what you see on film is what you're going to get, and, and you're going to get the best of them, and, and we're, we're prepared. We're going to be prepared for that. And also, just a- asking you about that, they're a program in transition, looking for a new head coach and all that. How difficult is that, do you think, for guys to be able to understand that this is the last game of the season and their job status is very much up in the air? Well, I think the, the sense of urgency to perform, they know it's coming to an end. I mean, that's how it is everywhere. The, the season's coming to an end and guys want to want to finish strong. That's not just what we're saying. It's every program in, in that's playing college football is saying it right now, you know, so uh, regardless of their record. So the the uh, the, the anticipation for us is that we're going to get their best and uh, their best is, is, is really, really good. And you see it on film when they put it together man they can be very dangerous and, and we have to be prepared for that we, we have to um, plan on that taking place Saturday night we got questions from Alex and then Caleb coach um, 
a local kid um, now plays at USC, Jackson Dart. Um, he had his first start, I think, against USC last week. Um, it's possible that he plays against you guys on Saturday. I'm curious, kind of what you what you see from him, and, and I think that you guys try to recruit him. Um, so, what are the th- what are the things that, that you kind of might see from from Jackson Dart in particular um, in terms of how he can affect play on the field? Yeah, great player. Um, yeah, we, we recruited him, and, and he's got a wonderful family. Uh, he's been trained really well. He's got great football IQ, good presence on the field. He can hurt you with his arm, and he can run as well. So put that all together and surround him with a with, uh, physical, athletic line and, and capable receivers and, and ball carriers. Uh, they have every bit of our attention. And, and knowing that kid and being around him and, and, and talking to him in the recruiting process, he, you know, he'll be ready for this. He's he's a he's a big time player, um, and then looking forward to seeing him, you know, and, and always wishing him the best in every game except for this one. So, uh, but he's a great young man and and, uh, and a great talent. So it'd be it'd be it'd be a lot of fun to to see him on the field and then to see you know our teams compete. Okay, we got time for a question from Mitch. Yeah, Kalani, uh, with recruiting, I know games don't necessarily determine recruiting battles or anything like that, but but next to the state of Utah, is Southern California one of those bigger recruiting grounds for you guys? Yeah, I mean, there's a, there's a strong um, a membership in the area, and so um, you know, there happen to be a lot of great players there um, that, that are members and non-members. So the, the, the talent, football talent, is really strong in California, and uh, so we're going to try to find the best players everywhere. We have a good number of our players from the state, too, and from Southern California, so um, it's a lot of fun when you get to you know play in front of the local uh, you're, you know, for these guys with, with a lot of their friends and families going to be at that game. So it's a lot of fun. And, you know, regionally, we're, we're close to them. So, um, you know, this will be something that I, I think the guys are really excited about getting back to Cali and playing this game. And last thing, uh, Kalani, what, what do you credit right now in BYU athletics? There's a lot of momentum, a lot of success pretty much around the entire athletic department. What do you credit the, the success that's suddenly happening for basically every BYU sport right now? A lot of there's a lot of really good things happening from the leadership, um, from the administration, from our president, our vice president, and the administration, our AD. Um, all that stuff is going really. Well. There's great people that are here working and um, you know on, on campus, and uh, they're just and then when you combine that with really really awesome student athletes, uh, your, your teams can have success here at BYU, and those those things are really important. But I'm gonna have to tell you that the the number one thing of the fans. That's a common denominator between all the all the sports is that you have this unbelievable support from the fans and from our student section. Uh, that that is, um, it's a huge advantage. I mean, I don't know how many we had in Georgia for that game, but it was above ten thousand, and they make a lot of noise, and their their support is unbelievable. And so I think uh, that doesn't get mentioned enough, but the fan base is unbelievable and. Um, 
I think all the sports want to keep their fans happy. And so we're, we're hoping to, to continue doing that. And as a football program, we're hoping to do that in Southern California on Saturday night. It's going to be a lot of fun. That was Kalani Sataki. Coming up next, what is trending? The 7 o'clock hour is upon us. Thanks for listening here. Get you caught up to date on everything NFL games yesterday. A flag fest between the Cowboys and the Raiders. The Raiders get the win, obviously, in overtime. The Saints, man, Saints looked awful. Not awesome. They looked awful. Taysom Hill not playing. What's going on there? All right, we've got all that. All the stuff gets you caught up today. Get the show off and running in the 7 o'clock hour. Stay with us, DJ and PK, right here on 97.5, 1280 The Zone.